there's a, <clears throat> there's a famous story about the Apostle John, which is not in the Bible, uh, but there is a very strong tradition behind it. Some of you may have heard it. Uh, I mentioned it quite a few years ago when we worked through 1 John together as a church. It's about the Apostle John in his old age after all the other apostles had died, but John was still alive and living in Ephesus. And the tradition goes that every week they would bring John into the Ephesian church meetings on a stretcher. This frail old man in his 90s. And every week they would bring him up the front and John would lean up on one elbow and a hush would come over the whole room. Here is the last living apostle of Jesus. What message will he bring us today? But every week, John would say exactly the same thing. Just five words. Little children, love one another. And then he'd lie back down and they would carry him out. Some suggested that perhaps John was losing his mind a little, saying the same thing every week. Others suggested John was simply saying the same thing every week because it was the most important thing to say to a church. That brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to love one another. Now, I don't know for sure if that particular tradition is true, but it certainly rings true for what John could have said because the lesson for God's people to love one another, that is a lesson that is written large throughout the New Testament. 16 different times we are told to do it. We were told to do it twice in just the short reading that we listened to. It is by far the most repeated one another phrase of the Bible. And so, for example, last week we kicked off our summer series looking at some of the one another phrases of the Bible. Remember, Tristan helped us think about the command to bear with one another in Colossians 3. And yet, as important as that command is, it's as if that instruction to bear one another, it's just engulfed and it's dwarfed by the overarching command to love one another. We actually got a clue of that last week. Remember the passage, Colossians 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. There was our one another phrase from last week, bearing with one another. But then remember what the next verse said, and above all these, put on love. Above all, put on love. In other words, above everything else, as our first priority, no matter what else we do, make sure we do this. Put on love. So why? Why is there such a big deal about loving one another? And given that it does seem to be such a big deal, how should we go about doing it? How exactly should we be loving the other people in this room? That's what we're thinking about this morning the why and the how of loving one another. And today's passage from 1 John helps us with both of those things, starting with the why. Chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. There's our one another phrase in black and white. Let us love one another for, in other words, here comes the reason why we should love one another, 
For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now I want you to hear the reasoning of, uh, of, of those verses. Why love the other people in this room? It's because of what God's like. It's because love comes from God. And therefore, if you're born of God, if you know the first thing about God, then love will also come from you. Love is sort of the, the family likeness that we have. It's like when Sue was once visiting a church in Sydney that our eldest daughter was a member of. And when she was there, uh, Sue had people come up to her after the meeting and without anything being said to them, they will come up to her and say, oh man, you've got to be Felicity Smith's mum. She is so much like you. And John is saying here that that's like us and God and love when we're one of his children. And that when we love each other, people will be coming up to us and should be coming up to us and saying, oh, well, you've got to be one of God's children. You are so much like him in the way that you love each other here. John even doubles down on the idea in the next verse, verse 8. Whoever does not love doesn't know God because God is love. Again, you see, loving others is connected with what God's like. And this time, God is not only described as the source of love, he's said to, it says that he is love. In other words, there's something about God, about love, that takes us to the very essence of who God is. And it's building this incredible connection between God and love where it's impossible to think of God without also at the same time thinking of love. All of which in turn is building this incredible connection between anyone who is born of God and love. Because when we're born of God, our heavenly father is love. Our dad is the source of all love. How could we not love one another? How could we not want to be with each other so as to have opportunity this morning to show love to one another? The more you think about it, the more it sort of does a demolition job on, you know, that saying that you sometimes hear, look, I'm a Christian, um, I, I just, I'm just not into going to church. I, I follow Jesus, but I'm just, I'm just not into being with other Christians. Now, at one level, I sort of get that. Uh, being a Christian is about being forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Being a Christian is not based on what we do, like coming here on a Sunday morning. Being Christian is based on what Jesus has done for us. I get that. But I don't think in his wildest dreams, the Apostle John could ever imagine a fair dinkum follower of Jesus not wanting to be actively involved in a church family and not wanting to be with other Christians. Because God's children, we take after our dad. We love. We love each other. And it's a denial of who we are when we don't. And it's a wonderful assurance of who we are when we do. All of which is leading towards the second of the questions about how should we be loving each other? Which is what John now goes on to explain by describing what love involves based on the way God has loved us. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, heaps of ideas in those two verses. I just want to tease out four. Four features of the way God has loved us and therefore four features of the way we ought to be loving one another. The first one being that love is proactive. Did you notice that in verse 9? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. In other words, God made the first move. God created the opportunity to help us. It was his unprovoked kindness that generated his action. That's love. It's the proactive looking for opportunities to help others. This is one of the ways in which loving one another sort of takes all the other one another sayings to a whole new level. Because lots of the other one another sayings, they, they talk about how we should respond to something. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Even last week, bearing with one another. The, the emphasis there is sort of on how you respond to the way you've been treated. But love is more than that. Love proactively takes the initiative to do what's best for others. Love does not wait to be asked. Love doesn't need an invite. Love goes on the front foot. Love makes the first move. Love is on, the co- is on a constant lookout for ways to help. Love creates opportunities so as to help. Even to sacrificial levels, which is the second thing to notice. And here, the critical phrase in verse 9 is one and only son. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. See, think about that. At one level, it would have been enough for that verse to simply say God sent his son into the world. That would have gotten the basic point across. It says God sent his one and only son into the world. And that additional phrase being dropped into the text is tapping into how precious Jesus is to God. The sacrifice involved in sending Jesus into this place. I mean, after Christmas that we've just had, as Sue and I were saying goodbye to our children, as each of them were heading off at different times back to their own homes, every single time as we said goodbye, Sue had tears in her eyes. Even though we knew they were heading back to safe, warm houses, even though we knew they were heading back to be with friends, it was still sad to see them go. Do you think God cares for Jesus any less than we care for our loved ones? And yet God released his one and only son into a hostile world, knowing full well what was going to happen to him. Beaten, abandoned, betrayed, crucified. How much must God love you to know that the cross was coming and yet he still sent his one and only son here? And John says in these verses, that's the standard of love. That's what we're being called on to love, with, uh, to love one another with, that level of sacrifice. And so loving the other people at morning church, it should 
at times be inconvenient. Okay, loving the others here, it should at times be costly. And if it never is, I think John would say we're not loving each other well enough. Especially so because thirdly, it's unconditional. And here the critical phrase is now in verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, he loved us. In other words, God's love of us was not initiated by us being worthy of it. God did not start loving us after we got our act together. God did not start loving us after we pulled our socks up and got our quiet times in order. Other bits of the Bible make it very clear that the reverse is true. We were dead in sin, dead in transgressions, nothing to contribute. And yet God sent Jesus. Because love like God's, love in God's family is unconditional. It doesn't rely on the other person being attractive. It doesn't rely on the other person being pleasant. Love is not dependent on the loveliness of the other person. Therefore, love is not simply coming along here and hanging out with our friends. This is more than simply showing concern for the select few people that we happen to get along with. When God talks about loving one another, what he's got in mind is a conscious decision to proactively, sacrificially do what's best for others, even if we don't think they deserve it. Even if we don't particularly get on with them. Even if no one notices us doing it. Even if no one even thanks us for doing it. That's love. Proactive, sacrificial, unconditional. And finally, it's worth noticing that it's also purposeful. Verse 10 again, and now the last phrase. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, what I want you to notice there is that God's love in sending Jesus, it had an edge to it. Okay, It had an aim. It had a direction. There was a reason behind it. It was to make atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's how the NIV puts it. The word atoning means to make amends for something, to repair something that's damaged. So if I borrowed your car and carelessly damaged it, making atonement would mean making arrangements for it to be fixed, paying for it to be fixed, making sure you had another car while it was being fixed. That's atonement. It's fixing up a problem. It's making better a difficulty. That's what Jesus' love was doing in sending Jesus. The problem is our sin. It drives a wedge between us and God. Jesus came and fixed that problem. He took our punishment. His atoning sacrifice put things right. And so God's love for us was not just a warm, fuzzy, sentimental feeling. It had a goal. It was so that we could be brought back to him. And that purpose in God's love is also the purpose that our love of each other should have if it's going to be anything like God's. Not in the sense of making atoning sacrifice, that's something only Jesus could do, but the direction of that love, the direction of wanting to bring people closer to God, the direction of our love, that, that same direction of our love to each other should be there if it's going to be anything like God's. What that means is that loving one another is not simply being nice to one another. 
I mean, we want to be. But it's more than just being friendly. Loving one another is more than just catching up over a cup of coffee. Love like God's seeks to strengthen someone's relationship with God. Because after all, that's the most important thing in any of our lives, our relationship with God. The best love we can offer is to help each other with that. And so real love will therefore talk about Jesus with each other. Maybe when someone's life is not working out very well, we're going to practically support them and comfort them and help them, of course. But love like God's will also be seeking to help them stay loyal to God through whatever they're going through. Is there anything I can do to help you with that? Love in the same direction as God's has a purpose and a desire behind it. It's the desire to help one another grow closer to God. Now we're going to think a bit more about that next week as we explore another one another statement. But for now, you roll it all together. You're seeing how God has loved us and what we're being called on to love one another with. Proactive, sacrificial, unconditional, purposeful love. And therefore, verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also would love one another. And there we are, back to where we started in verse 7, where John repeats a second time our one another phrase for the day. Love one another. Only now, at this verse, we know a lot more about the why and the how. And we know that we're not being given a dry, moralistic commandment here. We're not, the tone of this is not, you Lord, love one another. The tone of this is that we're just being reminded of who we are. God's reborn children, living out our family resemblance. And so when John says in that verse, we ought to love one another, he means ought in the way that fish ought to swim. He's just encouraging us to be who we are. We're not being told to do anything against our will. We're being told to be who in our heart of hearts as God's children we want to be. So I had a bit of an idea about this. Let's do it. Here at Morning Church, let's do this. Let's show proactive, sacrificial, unconditional, purposeful love to one another. What a great community it would be. In fact, why not pick just one of those four aspects of love and why not consciously work at it just over the next few weeks? Maybe pick the one that you think might need the most work. For example, maybe you're the sort of person who is already sacrificially doing things for people. You're already going out of your way to care for lots of people in really practical ways. Thank you so much for doing that. But maybe it's just the purposeful aspect of love that could do with a bit more work. You know, the, the consciously bringing Jesus up into conversations and working to strengthen others in their faith. Have a go at working at that. Maybe you're the reverse. 
Maybe you're very happy to talk about Jesus and you're very comfortable to encourage others in their faith, but you're just not very sacrificial about it. So you tend to do it at arm's length, on your terms, when it suits you. If it happens here on a Sunday, that's great. But you would hardly ever go out of your way to do it. The thought of maybe an intentional meet-up during the week, that's just too much trouble. I don't know. Have a go at working on that. Maybe it's the unconditional aspect to love that needs some attention. And that in all honesty, you're sort of playing favourites. So there's people here that you really do care a lot about, but there's others here who you barely notice. And so morning church is a good opportunity to see some friends, but you're not actually committed to morning church as a community of believers. Have a go working on that. Because this is love, not that we love God, he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us like that, we also ought to love one another like that too. I know you want to because it's who we are. I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for reminding us that you are the source of love, you are love. And for the way that you have loved us so extraordinarily in sending your son, your one and only son, into this world for us. Father, as your transformed children, please help us to excel at loving each other like that too. Amen.